Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet and I'm here with Rachel Madel. What's going on, Rachel? Uh, Chris, I'm struggling. It's like one of those one of those banter sessions where I'm just gonna like talk to you and like meet some guidance here. All right, let's go. What what's going on? Okay, so I had two quite contentious IEP meetings yesterday, and I have to say I've been in IEP meetings, I feel like very frequently the last like couple weeks I feel like it's like all these IEPs are backed up and now people are finally starting to coordinate the meetings and it's been really tough so the one I want to talk about happened yesterday and this student is a consult client of mine which I have a lot of of families that I work with on a kind of consultation basis and it's kind of interesting because I don't know the child as well as if I were working with that student regularly um, or one of my clinicians were working with that student regularly, but I have a lot of people who reach out who, you know, are having trouble figuring out the IEP process, figuring out how to advocate for AAC. Um, They're using it at home, but they want to figure out how to get the team at school to adopt it. So this is one of those families. And It was really challenging. I have collaborated with the SLP on the case, the school SLP, and she's been fantastic. I kind of did a little mini training, if you will, but also just kind of a collaboration, figuring out what kinds of things she was working on, um, giving my insight into what kinds of things I think would be really great for this student. We kind of revamped the device because it was set up in a way that did not support motor planning and was very script-based, taught about core words, all the things. So I have a good relationship with the SLP. Mom sent me some goals prior to the meeting, which oftentimes happens. Um, And I kind of have a strategy when I get goals from a school team. And if I have, you know, things that I want to see different, I feel like it's good to kind of give some suggestions or share the goals that, you know, I would be working on uh, privately and have kind of some discussions prior to the meeting because the last thing, I find that you want to do is go into a meeting and then surprise people like people don't like being surprised about you know presenting on goals and proposing goals and things like that so I didn't have adequate time to really work with the entire team and I felt really good about the speech and language goals um, because I had collaborated with the SLP but what I had a huge issue with was the academic goals, um, which, you know, isn't necessarily within my scope of practice, but because I work so closely with AAC users um, and because I'm so passionate about supporting literacy, um, so these were academic goals relating to reading, I saw the goals and I was like, oh no. And it was right the, the night before the meeting. And so I didn't have time to make any recommendations or reach out to the teacher or anything like that. And so anyway, the goals basically, um, which I see very often, Chris, um, were addressing reading fluency. And essentially the goals were, you know, the student will look at a text and read it. And I put that in air quotes, read it by just copying the text on their AAC system, whether that be typing the words out or finding the words on the device. This is a goal I've seen time and time again. And I'm frustrated by that goal because that's not reading. That's just copying text. It's just changing from one format to the next. And it's not moving the needle for reading. It's not moving the needle for communication because it's basically just copying text. So anyway, I had a discussion with the team and it didn't go well. (laughs) 
everybody was super defensive. Nobody like there was just like everyone's guards went up. And of course, I tried to present it in a way that was really um gentle um and just like I wonder if this in my experience this but it was just like push there was a lot of pushback and it was hard for me because it's kind of this gray area with with speech language pathologists because you know it's not it was an academic goal it was a reading goal that was supposed to be implemented by the teacher um and the special education teacher And I found myself in this weird place where I was like, well, like, yeah, I don't really create reading goals necessarily, but I can give you a lot of insight about literacy for kids who are using AAC. And so anyway, it was just quite contentious and it like left a really bad taste in my mouth. I woke up this morning and was like, ugh meeting and not only was it contentious and like I'm just like not a big fan of confrontation but it also just I don't think that they heard what I was saying or like will adopt any of the recommendations that I gave so it's like especially now because there's this huge buzz with AAC and literacy Karen Erickson's new book is great and I'm reading it and you know I just actually did um the the webinar that she did with talking AAC which was phenomenal all of the the presenters um Chris you presented for that conference uh about a month ago and you're going to present again for them anyway it's just like there's this buzz with AAC and literacy and how can we teach our kids who are AAC users how to read and to write and so I have all this knowledge and I'm like yes like let's do all these things but like I wasn't able to convey that to a team in a way that actually moved the needle Mm -hmm. and so I'm just feeling kind of like bummed that I kind of know where we should be going and what to do and I wasn't able to convey that to the team in a way that they were like yes let's do that they were kind of like no who are you get out of here would you characterize your relationship with the private speech therapist sorry you're the private speech therapist with the with the the school speech therapist as good like you guys have a nice rapport and Yeah, I mean, we don't know each other that well, but we have established a pretty good rapport. And I think that I probably have taught um, this SLP a lot about AAC and um, that 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 feels great. I love when I'm able to teach and um, share kind of the the wisdom that I've gathered about AAC. Um, and, and again, I, I liked her goals. I thought they were really good. I could tell that like she was really collaborative. She was listening when I was kind of talking about the things that I feel like would really move the needle for this student. Um, and so that was really great. And so it was hard because she didn't really talk at all during the meeting. Um, And probably because it is this like gray area where it's like, okay, like I see the teacher talking about these proposed goals. Um, So like, who am I as the SLP to kind of interject and be like, hmm, like what about this? But that really, that really is the point of an IEP meeting is to like collaborate with one another. But I just, I don't know, I'm feeling bad. Like I wasn't able to collaborate in the way that I wanted to. I'm going to tell you a quick story, Rachel, because I think it relates. Once upon a time, um, maybe 150 years ago, it seems like now, but I was the speech therapist at a local elementary school. And prior to being this, uh, when I was in uh, my undergrad, I was in my clinical practice, you know, with my supervisor and all that. When I worked in the school, this speech therapist that I worked under taught me how to do Orton Gillingham. And a lot of her therapy was Orton Gillingham based, which if you're not familiar with that particular program, it's widely used in with dyslexia. Um, but it's a language, it's to teach 
kids how to read and language and phonological awareness and all the stuff, right? And so I left my undergraduate days going, all right, well, I'm OG trained. We call it, you know, the the popular kids call it OG, right? So I'm OG trained. I know how to do Orton Gillingham. And when I started at my school, when I was the speech therapist in the school, well, I started doing OG with kids, you know, and my supervisor came and observed me doing OG. I mean, you know, as supervisors do. And she told me after the fact, she's like, we don't do that here. And I was like, um, you, you mean you don't do Orton Gillingham or what do you mean? What do you mean? She's like, the speech therapist does not do reading. And I said, mm, okay, but I think they do, you know, because I'm me and I can't not be me. <laughs> and she's like, no, we don't. And I was like, okay, it's not, we had a great relationship, my, my old supervisor and I, but it's just something I, it didn't sit well with me. And in fact, it, it went on to be like, hey, let's do a whole PD for all of the speech therapists, because if Chris is doing this, how many other speech therapists are doing this out in the district? And they like brought up different goals and kind of explained like we don't do this here in our neck of the woods and I went with my tail behind my legs and said okay I guess we don't do this but I did ask this question Rachel I said well if I'm not doing it then who's doing it and they're like you can't see me right now but I'm sort of shrugging like maybe the classroom teacher maybe there's a reading teacher but this kid doesn't have the reading teacher what do you mean like so who's teaching this kid this particular way of learning to read and i say all of that because a bunch of years later i can't remember when i had this moment of vindication where asha did say that we we reading falls underneath our scope of practice because it's a language thing and i remember thinking see i knew it like i felt like you know i wanted to i wanted to photocopy that that message from Asha and spread it out to all the speech therapists that were like in that meeting with me going, yeah, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. <laughs> like, yeah, we should be because it says right here by Asha says we should do that. So I do feel like all of that to say back to your IEP meeting, I feel like it's totally within our scope of practice as a speech therapist to bring up reading issues and to help people craft their reading goals. And it, I think it's totally okay to, if your arm moves over that swim lane, you know what I mean? Uh, if you happen to run into that lane and kick a little bit with the waves, I feel like we should be empowered to do that and not feel like we shouldn't. I completely agree. Chris, I'm actually going to share my screen with you because it's relevant. I told you that I did the Talking AAC uh, conference, and this is a resource that Karen Erickson shared. And that was her her exact point was like, who is responsible for this? So she gave us an action item. She's like, before our next session in February, I want you to think about the students that you're working with, um, figure out if they're doing emergent literacy or conventional literacy, and then figure out with the team who is responsible for these things so i'll kind of go through the the list to kind of show people or to to tell people what what we're looking at right now but this one is for the emergent literacy and the line items are shared reading predictable chart writing alphabet and phonological awareness independent reading and independent writing and i just thought it was so One, great that she's giving us all an action item because I feel like oftentimes what happens with professional development is you just sit and you listen and you learn, but you don't actually put it into practice sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something that we really need to make sure that we're we're covering all our bases. Um, And I loved this because it's like, who is responsible for this? Like, we need to put it in writing. Who's working on these things? Um, Because otherwise, the the needle's not going to move for literacy. Um, And so it's kind of reminds me of what you're saying a little bit, Chris, is like, you know, if 
we're not doing it, who is? Um, we need to figure out who's doing this for our students. And that way we're all on the same page as to where the responsibilities you know, lie um, so that we're really hitting this from a comprehensive angle comprehensive literacy i feel like that's kind of the buzzword um you know from obviously the book and and otherwise i just think it's really important that we're really thinking about this as a team and then divvying up the responsibilities to make sure that we're addressing all these things so let me ask when you were having this conversation and and, and you were sort of suggesting these changes to the goals at the iep meeting what do you think the take is from your speech path buddy do you know what I mean? Like this person you've established rapport, she trusts you, you trust her. It's th- things are in, on, on good ground there. I'm curious what your read was on her take. Like, yeah, maybe I should be advocating from the, maybe I'm the, the mold on the inside that's whispering, you know, like, like, okay, hey, you know what? Maybe she had a point about how, <laughs> maybe we should redraft that goal and think about doing it differently. I'm not seeing any research that points to the idea that that matching what's some written on a piece of paper and finding it on a communication device does anything to help support reading. If I did, maybe I'd support, like, do you think she could be an advocate, a champion for what you were saying? Yeah, I do think so. I think that what happens though, is that we kind of have this idea in our head that we need to do more or we need to do better, but then we don't know exactly what that looks like. And I think that that's kind of what happens with literacy for our, our AAC learners is we have the idea idea like I could have told you probably right out of graduate school that that's not a really great reading fluency goal because like it's literally intuitive like we're just having them copy what they're seeing like how is that moving the needle but then the the question is like well then what do we do What is the alternative? And I think that's where people get stuck. Um, And that's where it's like, you know, of course I recommended Project Core and all of the really great resources they have on that website. Um, Karen Erickson and David Coppenhaver's book, like all the things, I can recommend all those things. But it's really like takes an educator willing to kind of roll their sleeves up and be like, all right, what am I actually going to do to kind of move the needle? And so I think that that's kind of where I I worry. Like, is it actually going to translate? At the very least, I think at least we're opening our eyes to like, oh, wow, maybe that's not a really great goal, you know, to work on literacy. But then the question is like, what what is a good goal? And so that's where it's like, I only had a limited amount of time in this meeting and I definitely didn't feel like I was welcome to share some ideas for other goals. Um, so it's just like one of those tricky situations where I, I did the best that I could, but, uh, and of course I can work on the private side and, you know, work with private ABA and all of those things to kind of work on these things. But of course we know that having a team approach and everybody on the team on the same page is more effective. So I'll have to brainstorm some ways to, to make this happen. You know, I wonder if, um, I mean, most teachers know how to teach reading, or at least they think they do. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they know about alphabet knowledge. They, they mean you learn what the, the, the letters are and what we produce when we see those letters, you know, the sounds that we make when we see a letter. I think people know, a lot of teachers know about phonological awareness, you know, I guess getting at that same point. And so this doesn't seem like a huge lift to think, well, do that. Like, use the strategies you know to teach other kids when you were back in school and you were learning these strategies to to learn about alphabet knowledge and learn about phonological awareness and uh, learn about, like, writing. How would you teach any other kid? 
and then add the element of an AAC user on top of that. You know, like it feels like it starts with just how would you teach reading, you know? Well, I think where people get hung up is this idea. First of all, I think this stems from the idea that we oftentimes are testing kids. So like, how do we test a child who has verbal speech? How do we test their reading? We ask them to read aloud. Because we're judging whether or not are they actually reading the words and decoding and all these things. And so it's like that's the element where it's like, well, I don't really know how to test this kid who can't read the words. So I guess I'll just have them say the words on their communication system. And so I think that that's kind of where it stems from. But then like you're right, like just focusing on the phonological awareness and, you know, all of those skills. We know how to do that. We can still keep doing that with our AAC users. There was another goal that was brought up that I see oftentimes too as a sight words goal. And I'm like, okay, so they can match sight words. They see the and they can find the on the device. Like, how is that helping them read? Um, You know, and so I think part of my recommendation for that, because they were really stuck on the sight words and I was like, okay, like if we're going to do sight words, like maybe we can, you know, pick some salient core words like C, for example, like that's a sight word and we can like, you know, attribute meaning to that and create meaningful opportunities for a child to, you know, use that word, see that word. And so there's kind of strategies like that, that I was able to share, but it's just like really tricky because I think they're trying to like do what they do with every other student, but like not taking into consideration kind of the AAC layer, which I think can be a little tricky. Do you know, do you happen to know if the school uses any sort of program, meaning like Edmark or like I said, Orton Gillingham or um, Pearson has stuff, you know, is there any sort of a scripted program that they're using? Um, I don't know that there's anything that they're using, although that would have been a really great question. And honestly, I feel like I could tell that the teacher was kind of like, we don't really know, but like, I want to act like I know. So (laughs) I think that there was that going on too. And like, don't get me wrong. Like nobody likes to be in an IEP meeting and like, they want to feel like they know what they're talking about and they know what they're doing. And so people stand behind whatever it is that they have created, whether that's a goal or, you know, what have you. Um, and so I get that it's like a really vulnerable place to be like, oh yeah, like I actually don't know how to teach this kid how to read, you know? And so I think that that is hard and I definitely got that sense a little bit, but it's just like a tricky situation. I feel like as educators, we really need to just like realize where our shortcomings are, realize where like we we're not sure and that's okay to admit like, I'm not sure, but like, I'm going to figure this out because we all have the capacity to figure it out. And I think that that's where we kind of go astray. It's like we stick with what we know, even if it's like, like something that we don't really feel sure about. Sometimes we just stick behind it and we just push for it, which is basically just like our ego, like, yeah, like I'm right. And like, this is the way we do things and this is right. And I think sometimes we can get into trouble when we do that. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh, flexibility is the key and being aware that you can't possibly know it all. So it's okay to fight that cognitive dissonance that you might feel. Uh, You might feel like that insecurity, but then you got to lean into it and go, okay, well, Maybe this person has a point and maybe I should look into a different tact here. What's the next steps? Will you be at another IEP meeting? It sounds like it didn't end, like you're going to continue on. You know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, it's like, it's a tricky situation, but I'm I'm hoping that we can all figure out a way to collaborate and I'm going to share those resources that I had mentioned during the meeting and, you know, hopefully they'll do some, some modules on Project Core and 
get the book and just like start thinking through the lens a little bit differently. So I can, I guess that's all that I can hope for. And sometimes I feel like when we're in, you know, practice, sometimes it just doesn't go according to plan or the way that we want it to. And that's okay. It's okay to like, you know, have a a little bit of a, a stumble and just realize that like we can't, we can only do so much as practitioners. And so that's the approach I'm trying to take in my own head. Cause I feel like, oh, I let this kid down and this team like didn't want to do it and I'm having all these like feelings of like man like that could have gone way better but you know maybe they weren't ready and maybe that was like a meeting they needed to have to start opening their eyes to doing things a little bit differently or perhaps being more collaborative so just trying to stay positive over here and maybe you've got a champion there with that your your new speech therapist buddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That might uh, the needle might have moved not for everybody, but may have moved for her. You know, and that could be maybe you've got an ally there. Yeah, I know, Chris. Before we head into this week's interview, which is a collection of interviews, our small talks episode, can you tell me like what our what, what your fun announcement is? You just launched it this morning. We did a talking with tech live, and he was just like secretly adding slides to our slide deck. I was like, what is this slide? So tell us what's going on. So, you know, I've mentioned it before, I think, uh, hinted at it here and there, but I haven't really talked about it extensively, the the new book, you know. So the, the most recent book is The New Assistive Tech, Make Learning Awesome for All, and that's been out for about two years now, and it's still um, making a lot of waves. I get to talk to, uh, I do quite a bit of book studies, and um, a lot of people are reading it, and it still does really well. But... Um, while that has been working, of course, once the book is out, it starts time to work on the next project, right? And the next project has been a, a third book. Um, so this book, I've come to discover, is available for pre-order right now. And you and, you and I have had many conversations about that I've been working on this book. And it is a collaborative effort between myself... Beth Poss, my longtime friend and presenter friend, uh, Karen Janowski, who is a occupational therapist by training, but now works in the assistive technology field more more predominantly up in the Boston area, and then uh, Mike Marotta out of New Jersey, who also works in assistive technology. And again, these are you know friends that I would um, and colleagues that I have partnered with in many different presentations, and and uh, you know for years we've just been colleagues. And one of the things we talked about was, um, and I kind of mentioned in the previous book, is this idea of this constant drip of learning, right? I mean, it's kind of what we do with the podcast is that you, you, you sign in every week and you listen to the podcast and it's just like the faucet is on and it keeps dripping and you just keep learning that way. One of the ways we've been doing that in my neck of the woods for many years, my school district, is we used to have this thing called a strategy a day calendar. Um, and that calendar was just one strategy every day, you know, like a just like a epitaph of the day or, you know, my wife got me a Bob Ross uh, um, strategy a day or Bob Ross calendar of a day, you know, so you get to see one Bob Ross picture every day, whatever. You've seen calendars before. So anyway... My school district decided to stop making those a couple of years ago, and that um, so I reached out to to Beth and Mike and Karen, and I said, "Hey, what if we wrote a book? What if we wrote a book about inclusive strategies?" And so that's what this book is. It's called Inclusive Learning 365. It is 365. Maybe a little trick in there as well, but uh, there's 300 because it's you know I couldn't write a book without a little bit of you know my <laughs> without a little bit of fun, but there's um. 365 strategies, a strategy per day to help you move your school districts uh, into more inclusive practices. Some of the strategies are 
the stuff we've talked about on this podcast, you know, uh, predictable chart writing, for instance, uh, we just mentioned it here on this episode. That's one of the strategies in the book. Um, Text-to-speech and different ways of using text-to-speech. And then, of course, the flip of that, speech-to-text are in the book. And I can just go, I mean, there's 365. I could go on forever, but, you know, you got to check it out. It's, so the book is um, now available for pre-order. It's, it, and the way you can access it is bit.ly slash inclusive 365. So those are the numbers, 365. So bit.ly slash inclusive 365 book. And if you go there, you can pre-order the book. And we have this sort of goal, just like you and I have, Rachel, on the podcast of like, can we beat the record of the most pre-sales ever? So, you know, if you if you want to check out the book, you can go learn more about it there and, and, and pre-order it. You know what I love about this, Chris? One, I already love all your other books, so I'm sure this one's just as awesome as all the other ones that you've created. But what I love about this is it's small, bite-sized chunks of information, which I feel like is the best way to learn. It really just builds your awareness. And I think that we all probably could use strategies um, you know, figuring out how to make things more inclusive for students. Um, every educator can benefit from something like that. Um, so I'm super excited. I'm on the pre-order list. I can't wait till this book comes out. And I definitely encourage all of our listeners to go get that book. Chris, we're going to help you get to your goal. I promise you that. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you for the support. And thank you. The, the very pl- first place I announced it, that the book was available, was in the Talking With Tech group, because I love our listeners and um, how supportive they've been of these endeavors. So, And I hope it helps. I really hope it helps move the needle for the for the world. All right. Well, let's head into our interview. We, this is Chris. He did a bunch of small talk episodes. Um, they're they're from pre-pandemic days. So um, just re- remember that um, he did three interviews. Is it three, Chris? There's four, but three of them are from uh, their live. Like I was with the people in Arizona just before Corona hit. And then one is with our friend Sarah Gregory. You know, when we recorded the episode, I said, Sarah, can we hang out for a few minutes and talk about something else? And so you're going to hear her talk about Seesaw. Love it. And love Sarah Gregory. She's one of my AAC besties. Um, at this point, we were introduced at ASHA last year, and it's been a bestie friendship ever since. Um, so really excited. Let's head into Chris's interviews with all of these fantastic people that he did small talk episodes with. Do you feel stuck with a challenging case or a burning AAC question that you just can't seem to figure out on your own? We're excited to announce Talking With Tech Live, a virtual event that will help crowdsource solutions, strategies, and tools you can use with your AAC clients. This isn't your traditional professional development course where you sit and listen to presenters talk. Of course, Rachel and I will be there to answer questions, but our primary role is to act as guides. The real magic of this event is that you You, the people participating, share your ideas with fellow attendees so that we can all benefit from our collective experiences. What's even better is that we're offering this event for free to our Patreon members. The next event is on December 9th at 7.30 Eastern Standard, 4.30 Pacific. To join us for Talking With Tech Live, you can sign up to be a Patreon member at patreon.com backslash talkingwithtech. Once you're a Patreon member, you'll also have access to behind-the-scenes content, bonus interviews, and lots of other free resources and ideas for your therapy. (music) 
Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm sitting here at the AAC in the Desert Conference, put together partly by Candace Steele. And Candace, you're here with me? Yes. <laughs> Candace, tell people who you are and what you do. So my name is Candace Steele. I'm a speech therapist um, turned AT specialist, um, working for a nonprofit in Phoenix, Arizona that serves individuals with developmental disabilities from school age through adult. Is that Gompers? It is Gompers. I've heard of Gompers. People are getting more familiar with Gompers, <laughs> which is great. Now, what people don't know is that you and I are also roommates. We yes. stayed together at ATIA, Mo Booty and Beth Poss, and you and I all roomed together. Yes. Um, we, I mean, we had a a wall between our rooms. Yes, but. yes, it was all very appropriate. <laughs> so here at the conference, you did a portion of the conference where you were kind of guest presenting. Uh, it was supposed to be you and Jean Marie Jacoby, who also lives and works down here. She works at Don Johnston, Correct, right? Yeah. Um, and she got sick. Sorry, Jean Marie. Yes. Oh, we missed you so much. <laughs> um, but let's tell people what you talked about. What was your portion of the day and what were you sharing? Awesome. So um, my, the title of my presentation was um, Empowering Paraprofessionals, the key to successful AAC implementation with the idea that um, we need to train our paras. Um, they're the underserved when it comes to training, um, mainly because we don't have time to train them, um, and but they're the ones working with our students or in our, um, or in my case, for adults, we have direct support professionals, um, and they're working with them day in and day out. They're doing all that hard nitty-gritty work with them besides all the hard work that the teachers are doing we need them trained and being able to understand what it is for complex communicators to communicate and have real conversations and not just um you know test and mm -hmm. wants and needs we need to have them having real conversation and talking about what they're doing um and and like i tell my my staff I'm like you're their life narrator you need to be talking to them Yes, yes. So that's easier said than done. And, yes. I, and I can totally empathize. In our neck of the woods, we're doing a lot of training. And tomorrow, my day is about the coaching that we're doing. And one of the number one questions that comes up, I'm sure it'll come up tomorrow, is what about the paraprofessionals? Are you coaching and training the paraprofessionals? And right now, training, yes, some sort of version of training, not as much as the teachers are getting, and absolutely not the coaching yet. Um, so what have you done to try and work with the paraprofessionals? What does your training look like? So uh, what Jean Marie and I decided to do was, um, uh, well, I started a training with my adult staff and um, came up with a list of topics. So we came up with about 10 to 12 different topics. Um, and then Jean Marie said it was, this is great. I'm going to try it with my school staff and see if we can get this going. Um, she is a level one certified Google teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and so she's all about the Google Classroom. Mm -hmm. And so we put all of this information into a Google Classroom with 12 different modules. And um, we went along with how adults learn, where it's 15, 20-minute chunks. They're multimodal learners, just like our students. Mm -hmm. So it's all different types of um, presentations. So you have your PowerPoints, you have your videos, um, and it's a nice little chunk so you can modify it yourself. Just trying to figure out how can we get um, this information to our paras. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, we're training our teachers, we're coaching our teachers. They don't have much time to get it to our, our paraprofessionals either. So let me ask you, what are some of the topics you put into the modules? Yeah, um, so obviously we're gonna start with an overview, understanding what um, AEC is. Actually, ours is more on what being a communication partner and a communication facilitator are. Um, but we talk about core vocabulary, um, uh, 
operational competence. You know, a lot of those, the paraprofessionals want to learn how the device works. Um, we go over evaluative feedback. How are we responding to our students when they're communicating with us? You know, instead of saying, oh, great, you use your device today. That's not how we talk. You right, know? right. Um, yeah, so a couple of those things. And then, like I said, communication partnering and communication facilitation. We kind of go over those topics as well. Awesome. That sounds like great topics. And what has the feedback been from the paraprofessionals who participated in the in these modules? It's been pretty positive. Um, actually, Jean Marie had one who decided to go to school to be an SLPA hmm. after taking some of the, the courses. So um, it, it's it's been great. Uh, my staff love it. Um, they keep bugging me. When are we going to have another training? Mm-hmm. You know, because they're empowered. Um, once we give them those tools and the education, they understand it. Mm-hmm. So it's really getting that mindset going and getting them to understand their role when working with students with complex communication. Yeah, I think there's even some research that shows that um, by empowering those paraprofessionals, they enjoy their, and they're in training those paraprofessionals and giving them the coaching, they enjoy their work better. So meaning they, they come to work going, well, I'm not just wrangling behaviors all day. I'm right. actually teaching somebody I'm, and I'm making a difference, you know? Um, so I, I feel like it's extremely valuable. Uh, so let me ask you too, um, they get some sort of course certification at the end or some certificate, right? That, that they completed right. it. And then um, th- you were saying something about like a badge that they get, like a purple triangle or something. Yeah, what was so that? It, it's all about recognition, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know as Not purple, pink. It was a pink, pink triangle. Yes, mm-hmm. hot pink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's the color of my department. I don't know how I got that. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, it, it's all about recognition and acknowledgement. So, um, and the nice thing of way we set it up is that you can totally modify everything. You can modify the PowerPoints. You can uh, modify every single module. Um, and then that comes down to their certification. So it works with what works for your setting. So you can do certificates at the end of each module. Um, you can do one when they're all done. Um, for me, I'm, we make our badges in-house. So I adapt their badges and, and put a hot pink rectangle on there and add title of AAC Power Partner to their badge. So that way, you know, they're recognized. They have this extra little piece of bling. Um, so, I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, a sparkly lanyard, you know, that only they have, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just finding fun ways to acknowledge them that they have this extra training. Absolutely. And I could totally see like, hey, why do you have that on your, oh, well, it's because I did this thing and it just kind of spreads mm-hmm. the, the, the water cooler talk, if you will. Right. right. And like tomorrow you're going to be talking about coaching and, mm-hmm. and coaching and mentoring are so huge for um, paraprofessional staff to have that community and to know who they can go to mm-hmm. and they don't always have to go to the teacher is yeah. another huge piece. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to ask you one last question because I'm sure people who are listening are going to want to know, can they access the materials in some way or is it something for only people in gompers and that, that are participating? No, we want to share this with as many people as we possibly can. Um, and uh, it's pretty much every information, it's all the information that's out there. We're just trying to compile it so it's more accessible. Um, but if you email G Marie and I at empoweringparas at gmail.com um, and say that you heard this podcast, we will give you access to uh, the classroom so you can take a look at the modules. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Candice. Yes, thank you. Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm here in AEC in the desert, and I'm sitting with Chris and Monique. Is that right? Yes. yes. So can, we, can I get your last names? Chris Ramirez. Monique Madrid. 
Ah, and uh, we were just chatting while we were getting coffee and before the presentation, I'm about to go present here today. And we were talking about, well, all sorts of stuff, right? All sorts so of stuff. So give us a little background. <laughs> what do you do? And I mean, who are you and what do you do? So uh, again, Chris Ramirez, I am an SLPA. I've been, shocking, I've only been an SLPA for a year and a half. Um, but I've been in the special education for eight years, specifically preschool. So I've dealt with SPED preschool. Um, but yeah, it's just, I became an SLPA because A, my mom's an SLPA, <laughs> Maritza Ramirez. Um, but I also had a great speech therapist that helped me. I was the R kiddo <laughs> and I still have troubles with my R's. Uh, but then I became an AAC, I don't know, Wonderer. <laughs> I love that word. I love that word where you're just kind of questioning and under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, when you first get to see it, you're kind of like, oh, again, wondering how you can use it. It's all about, you know, how, you know, you're wondering how can I, you know, implement this and everything like that. But after, you know, having a couple goes at it, I actually became immersed in it because my mom, she really pushed me into you know, learning it, going to trainings. Um, so your mom works at AAC specifically? Um, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. She works, she's a heavily AAC SLPA. Um, she's, uh, she works at a SPED preschool as well. Okay. Um, she does uh, like four or five classrooms a day, but she... And all of her kiddos have devices as well, and she's put in paperwork for devices as well for them. So, you know, she's all about getting the kiddos their voice. Yeah. Getting them their voice, being their advocate. Even when, you know, sometimes parents are a little bit off, you know, standoffish, we all have those parents. Sure. Um, but she, you know, teaches them, you know, it's not going to take away their voice. Mm -hmm. It's going to help them. It's going to bridge that gap mm -hmm. to become hopefully verbal one day. We're not expecting, a, you know, a night and day turnaround, you know. So <laughs> now, Monique, what about you? So you and how do you know each other? So who are you? And what do you do? Let's start there. <laughs> My name is Monique Madrid. I'm a speech language pathology assistant uh, through Therapy Builders, and both Chris and I do home health for the same company. So um, and well. I became, um, this is my, what, eighth month as an SLPA, and I really Welcome. Just, oh, thank you. I know. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, just eight months. Um, I finished school in May and found a job and started working, and I really got into being an, um, into speech through, because uh, my daughter, my daughter has autism, and um, I had many uh, SLPs, like, at her school question why she doesn't have a device okay so I'm kind of I understand I know I understand both um, from the parent perspective and from the clinician perspective and I just really wanted to learn more about how I can uh, tell the parents you know it's they're not going to stop talking this is not going to be detrimental to them in any way that this is actually going to benefit them because can only help right? that's yeah that's one fear and I understand as a parent is like well they're going to be solely dependent on this device. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, they're not going to talk. They're not going to speak at all. This is just, it's just going to be the device and that's it. They're going to rely so much on the device. When, you know, I've learned so much already that it's, it's not like that at all. So. so I know people are going to be wondering, 
Does she have a device now? She, she does not at the moment, okay. um, but we are in the process because she just qualified uh, for all techs through D- and DDD services. Okay. So now that she's going to be getting speech um, and OT, music therapy, whatever mm-hmm. is that we think that would benefit her, we are going to go push forward to see if we can get her a device. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is I she- do have one. Oh, okay. Um, so we, I do sit down with her and we do try to like work with it. Okay. Um, she's... You can tell she's trying to build her sentences with it. And now, on paper, she's also trying to write stories. Fantastic. It's it's just, it's great. And um, although it doesn't really, (laughs) it doesn't really sound or look like it's a, you know, you can really understand it, but she's trying. She's using words like my friends, I'm going to school, the end, he's done, you know, and um, we just barely started doing, um, using it, and I barely started showing her, but also I'm trying to, learn you know, well. learn yeah. it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so can, I, can I ask what device is it? What are you using? Um, speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. She I, it has a, a, a lot of buttons. Of course, you can customize it to how you want it, but we're kind of working together to see where everything's at, how we can find it, how we can condense it. and So, yeah, we're using Speak for Yourself, but I'm also going to look into getting others. others sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Explore. Explore different else. ones. Yeah. Yes. So let me ask, how do you know each other? We talked about that a little bit. I think yes. it's kind of an interesting story. <laughs> I met him yesterday. Well, we both <laughs> met yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we just met yesterday, and, you know, our Trace, he sent us each other's phone numbers and I kind of waited a couple days because I was like I don't know I don't know being a homebound therapist we don't see a lot of Mm -hmm. people or faces Mm -hmm. you know but then I was like oh yeah we're going to the training together and I was like do you want a carpool? <laughs> and I, you know, ever since then, I think we've hit it off really good. And it's We do. We have the same supervisor, um, uh, the SLP, Sherry Yonner. So she's our supervisor. Hi, Sherry. So, hi, Sherry. <laughs> um, so she knows both of us. She sees both of us. And she said, well, I think you guys would really work great together. And since we are kind of close by, he's not that far away from yeah. me. Um, I needed someone to bounce ideas. I... I hey, I need help, or, you know, what can I do with this? And I think he's great. So <laughs> let's talk about Sherry for a second. Oh. Yes. Oh, okay, um, yes. So when you were discussing this, and I bet you people listening right now think, well, she must live in the Phoenix area as well, but she doesn't. Where is Sherry? Sherry's in Minnesota. <laughs> so she, how does that work? Bemidji, Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know how to... I think Bemidji. Bemidji, Minnesota. So what we do is she will um, supervise us through their platform, and their platform is a great opportunity for SLPs to look into their SLPA's um, therapy sessions. And again, uh, even though she's not physically there, she can still chime in. She can write us a little uh, sentence, be like, oh, hey, you're doing great. Or, hey, try this. Or you can, you know, she'll pop on and help help us (laughs) when we need that help. (laughs) And I think this is something new, you know, something not very many people know about and I think this is a great way to have someone who's in another state be your supervisor and I don't know if you can get your clinical hours through this actually hmm. not that I think I about it I don't know 
but I don't know. I just love Sherry because she comes from a whole immersive AAC background. Um, So I've learned a lot from her as well. Um, And she's she's just overall a great supervisor, even though I was her first, you know, assistant. Okay. (laughs) She she's just been great overall. All right, well, let me ask you one last thing, and then I'll okay. let you go, because we got to get started here. Okay. <laughs> um, you, we were talking, just as we were getting coffee, or actually, you were talking, and I kind of heard overheard you, and then I jumped in, um, uh, about being bilingual. So you uh-huh. said you're not bilingual, but your mom is, yes. and, and she uses strategies. Is there anything you can tell us from being near her? So being or near her. Th- your thoughts on it? <laughs> My thoughts. So... I've been on a couple of her therapy sessions, and she isn't. She was an AT, AT trainer, mm-hmm. but basically bringing the whole um, AAC down to a parent level, especially within the Hispanic community. Okay. Uh, the Hispanic community, they are more uh, willing to put that device in a cupboard instead of having them, you know, use it and them use it. Yes, they have their phones, but once they see a lot of buttons it's becomes overwhelming and that sounds like anybody really it does sound very (laughs) overwhelming and for anybody but i know i i don't know um but she just um you know she has the pamphlets and everything like that in spanish Mm -hmm. she translates everything in spanish and she just um starts off again with just a couple of core words you know and teaching them just as an English-speaking individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say speak to them. If you do have a client that is bilingual, speak to them as if they are speaking English, but break it down to them. Um, don't be afraid to mess up your words in Spanish. Uh-huh. If, you know, parents, they will correct you, but, you know, be comfortable with it. Because mm-hmm. I have a couple bilingual clients myself uh, my Spanish is not the great greatest, but I learned a couple of Spanish words here and there. But then, you know, you kind of have to make that language barrier cross mm-hmm. and make it work and mesh well. I was amazed that I got to see um, up there that there's devices in Spanish. Right, and I'm, yeah. like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, um, look, yeah. it's in Spanish. So and I haven't had many training hours in in the Spanish one, but. I can pop it up and show you guys. That's so cool. I think awesome. that's awesome. On my device. I mean, I'm trying to be a bilingual therapist, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, me too. And maybe I could use those devices to learn the Spanish. Do you know what yes, I mean? Swap yes. over. It's, I know it's not always, but you can teach toggle. Teach them and you can go mm-hmm. back and forth. Because so it's when literacy as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh all right. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait for today. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much thank for taking you. the time to be on the wait. podcast. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Welcome back to Talking With Tech. I'm here with Sarah Gregory from Ithaca, New York. How's it going, Sarah? Great. How are you? Good, good. So we're here for one of our small talk episodes. Uh, so tell me, you, you listened to one of our productivity hacks episodes? I did. And you had an idea about another productivity hack that we should share. Yes. Which I, one did you use? As soon as I listened to it, I was super excited to share this with you because I think that you and Rachel would like it. So um, we have an app that we use a lot in my district called Seesaw. 
So it's basically a way to connect with families. So it's not specifically for speech pathologists, but a lot of teachers will get on there and they'll be able to share work and communicate with families. So on the family's end, it's an app that basically looks like a Facebook feed, but it's all of their child. And if they had two children that had teachers using Seesaw, it could all come up in the same feed. I have my speech therapy classroom, so they might have stuff that they're doing in the classroom and then specific things that they're doing with me. So how I really like to use this and specifically with my AAC users is it's an awesome way to share videos. So it's private. Um, it's not like texting from my cell phone um, that I can just take it on there. And it also kind of gives you a little separation for that work-life balance that you don't have people texting you back at the end of the day that it's all contained in the app. So you can respond when you want. People don't necessarily expect a response right away, but I will take videos of what my students are doing, what words they're working on, um, to actually be able to show the parents instead of describing um, I can show the level of prompting that I'm on so that's been awesome and one thing I've done on Seesaw that I stole from another um, talking with tech episode is the core word videos so we make core word videos and then I just send them to all the families on Seesaw um, I don't quite get to it weekly but um, that's been really fun and again that's a really authentic way to involve peers of okay our word is go you need to think about the meaning of go how many ways can we say this word so they're getting a deeper understanding of vocabulary and then they also know that they're doing something to help their peer hey we're sending this home so that they can practice these words um so that's been a great thing and parents can comment back um so that's my productivity hack. I love it. I love Seesaw. I've definitely seen it before. Oh, awesome. uh, definitely talk, but not in the context. I've never heard anyone use it in the context of, of, of AAC coaching at home and sharing information. It's all been, you know, general ed classroom teachers yeah. using it for sharing stuff in the, in the classroom. So I love that approach for it. And I also love the video. Like, uh, so the, the strategy that I think you're talking about is at least we've always called it a communication bridge in our area. And a, traditionally a communication bridge is like this composition notebook where people would write things and then it go the composition which would go home and people would write things back back and forth but you're talking about a way to do that here in uh in the 21st century you know what I mean? right yep and at right. the end of last year i got a ton of great feedback from families like i just found one of my thank you cards and it said and thanks for using seesaw we loved the videos um and so i use it with my students articulation students so they love okay take a video send it home to mom then i'll take a picture of the word list that we used and send that home and it's home practice and it took me 30 seconds i love it i love it well thank you so much sarah for sharing that and we really appreciate you coming back on for the small talk episode okay thank you welcome to talking with tech i am here in arizona sitting next to a guy named tj who i just met we just sat next night to each other at this at uh, the aac in the desert conference and we started chatting about ar so tj first what's your full name tj what's your last name and tell us what you do uh my full name's thomas john healy uh, i go by tj 
gone by TJ my whole life. I'm a speech therapy assistant at Carl Hayden High School currently. So yeah, that's what I do. And my my uh, what I, the reason why I'm attending this conference is to learn further techniques and uh, methods to engage my students in the classroom through, uh, especially those who require the use of adaptive and augmented communication devices. Uh, and I've been really thrilled to share some of my techniques that I've been using in the classroom to engage them and to teach and further solidify their understanding of whatever material is in the classroom. Wait for us one second as the airplane goes by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things we you immediately started telling me about was the, your use of AR, augmented reality. So can you talk about that? What are some of the apps? What are the techniques? What are you, what are you using? And, and what's then the results? Absolutely. Well, um, what I use is an iPad mini. Really, any iPad would work for this. A uh, real key uh, piece of tech that's would, that, that works with this is an Apple TV. You hook this up to a projector that may be in the classroom, so that way the students can see whatever you cast through the iPad onto a whiteboard. So what I cast onto the whiteboard, for example, I had a... I had a a group who was working on a unit in science on volcanoes. So I, using an app, it's, but anyway, I pull up a volcano, uh, a three-dimensional model of a volcano that I can then cast onto a table, and um, it's very engaging to the students. It elicits a lot of descriptive language. It elicits a lot of requests, how I can manipulate the size of the volcano and manipulate the angle at which we can view it. Um, and it's not just with volcanoes either. I mean, we do just really just about anything they ask for I can just search it up and cast it and best of all it's free it's all free stuff um, and uh, so I mean everybody loves that so and you could I would imagine you could also do this from an iPhone as well if you have an iPhone but I think the best options would be an iPad or even a higher end iPad to have it a clearer picture uh, so yeah but it's it's way more accessible than I think people think and it's 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 been a complete game changer with my uh, classrooms. You know, I found the same thing that a lot of people hear AR and mm -hmm. suddenly they, they kind of phase out like, well, that's something super high tech that I could never do. But you're saying it's real easy. It's no it's no, no different than using like Facebook. If you can open up an app. Not suddenly, even yeah. not even that. Not it's even, as easy as using a Google search. I mean, yeah. literally, you, it's literally <laughs> you just you download the app, you punch in the app, you punch in what you're looking for. Volcanoes. I looked up a an eyeball and I just cast an eyeball on tables and I made it move around and made it look like they were looking at the students and it was hilarious. They loved it. They got a huge kick out of it or an ear or a brain or something. And just it, the options are endless. I made a giant, like a pizza. If they, if they're working on making requests, um, they can say, Oh, I like pizza. So then I throw a pizza on there and you know, Oh, do you want a little, and I make it little deliberately and they're like, Oh, do you want more pizza? And it elicits more and more descriptive language. Absolutely. That's what kids talk about, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Makes it so much fun. Makes them want to come to school. What's the next thing we're going to see? Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. So what are the names of the apps? So the two apps I use, one is called um, Sketchfab and the other one is called Jigspace. And um, I believe it's Sketchfab has the ones with the high quality models. Um, there's fewer, but they're very high quality models that you can 
uh, place on a on a surface, and the other app, uh, JigSpace, has a. Uh, that's the one where you can search a wide variety of user-created ones, and um, sometimes you can come up to some wacky stuff, which I would advise, you know, you kind of pre-screen that before you uh, throw it up onto a surface, and uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I can't wait to explore. Yes, of course. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. I appreciate the opportunity to share what I do. 